people. My friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning, and my co-host, Dixie Lee Henning, is taking a break this week. It is hay fever season, and we thought we would spare you the sniffles and the sneezes. She just sounds a little bit like death, so we're giving her a break. A couple of things I wanted to mention up here at the top of this show. Just wanted to thank everyone again who participated in our free sticker giveaway survey. Thank you so much for your feedback. I hope you can tell that I'm paying attention to it. I've seen a couple of those stickers go up on Instagram with a photo with the hashtag no normal people. I love seeing these things out in the wild. So keep those coming. Make sure to use those hashtags. Feel free to tag the show either on Instagram and Twitter. If you like, that's at no people pod. And if you missed out on the free sticker giveaway, we have a brand newly designed website that you can head to. Same address as before. It's nonormalpeople.com, K-N-O-W, normalpeople.com. Brand new site. It has a store. And if you want yourself a sticker of our podcast artwork, head on over there and we will get that thing in the mail for you as fast as possible. This week on the podcast, I get to talk to my friend Bridger Haffey. Bridger lives out in the Seattle, Washington area. He and I grew up together homeschooled in the same church and the same youth group, though he was always one of those guys that was just slightly younger than me. He was more my brother's friend than he was my friend, and we get into it a little bit, but Bridger is one of the guys who's really helping me realize that really once high school is over, the age difference between 8th and ninth grade really don't matter, but when you're there, feels like you cannot be friends with them. They're not cool enough for you, which is silly. I totally agree that it's silly. And I'm so glad that I get to connect with Bridger in this way. I did want to mention as a bit of a content warning here at the top of the show, as we get into Bridger's story, we will have a conversation about suicide and how that has impacted his family. There will be a brief mention of it at 63 minutes and 10 seconds in. And then the conversation really opens up and he shares a bit about his story at 65 minutes, 15 seconds. And that goes about until 69 minutes and 50 seconds. I just wanted to mention those spots in the show up at the top here. If you have recently been affected by suicide or if that kind of conversation is going to bring up some extra grief or trauma Uh, trigger you in any way. I just wanted to make sure that you could be safe, that you could be aware. So if you are listening to the show and that is something you don't need to listen to right now, now you know the time. But that conversation certainly does not color the entire episode, so give it a listen. Bridger has such a cool life there in Washington. We also talk a good bit about mountain biking and how he got into that sport. And he is an industrial engineer for Boeing working on the 777 commercial jet team. So without further ado, I'm going to throw it to the interview I had with my friend Bridger. All right. 
we are going to get started with rapid fire questions. These are either or. Don't feel pressure to think too hard. From the gut. Are you ready? I'm ready. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Uh, lakes. Rain or sun? Sun. Tea or coffee? Tea. Early morning or late night? Or late night. Summer or winter? Summer. Beaches or mountains? Definitely mountains. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sweet or savory? Savory. Do you call it soda or pop? Probably pop, more. Hogwarts or the Shire? The Shire. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Books or movies? Movies. Sweater or hoodie? Sweater. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. Introvert or extrovert? More introvert. Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. There, you did it. These are just more icebreaker questions. Starting with a series of favorites. Let's start with favorite candy. I'm a big fan of Sour Patch Kids. Ooh, excellent. What's your favorite snack? Chips and salsa. Favorite morning drink? Probably water. <laughs> water. I like That's no, so lame. No caffeine for you in the morning. No, I've never been a coffee person. Really? Nope. Oh, you did say you prefer tea over coffee. Yeah. And yeah, more more like the sweet iced tea, like boba or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, no caffeine. You're a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite smell? Oh, my favorite smell? Probably the smell after it rains. This is a classic. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show? Probably Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. Yes. It's just everything you need in one show, I think. Right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, so I tried this one in Bozeman at Sweet Peaks called Yeti Tracks, and it's basically just coconut ice cream, oh. white chocolate, and Oreos, and it's phenomenal. Wow. I think it's seasonal, though, so don't quote me on it if it's there or not. Okay. But keep your eyes out, because that sounds spectacular. Yes, so good. Good work. Okay. What are foods you will never eat? Okay, this is going to sound horrible because it's a classic, okay. but I... I do not like chicken noodle soup. Really? I think it's horrible. Yeah. No, I love noodles. I love chicken. I love soup, but all of them together. <laughs> I don't know. I okay. don't know why. You like all yeah. the ingredients, but separate. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I don't, I don't like my, my chicken swimming in broth. Okay. And I don't like it when there's not enough noodles. And I feel like that's wow. kind of true. Of it, so, yeah. Uh, was there something else like your mom made when you were growing up when you had a cold or something and you felt sick? Hmm. I I think she did make me chicken noodle soup, and maybe that's why I just associate oh. it with with you know being sick or something. Now I'm a big fan of like tomato soup. I think. Oh, okay. I have that with like grilled cheese or something. Sure. So good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tomato soup. Yeah. I I guess the association with being ill <laughs> might color your opinion <laughs> of the whole thing, wouldn't it? I guess. I don't know. It's it's probably just a weird thing about me. That that's fair. I'll take it. Who would you say is the smartest person you know? I don't know if this counts because my grandpa passed away years ago. Okay. But he was the smartest guy I know. He was like a scientist that studied lizards in Yellowstone National Park. Wow. And then was just a really successful uh, musician his whole life. Owned like 60 guitars. Good grip. Okay. Well, he owned more than that, but that was one time I counted in his house. Nice. Um, he could play any instrument, but yeah, very smart guy. I love it. 
do you have a secret talent? I think I'm most talented in thrift shopping. Oh, really? Okay. I'm just like really good at finding, you know, hidden gems like Patagonia snap tees. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're look, like you're looking for the brand names on the thrift rack. Yeah, but like okay. the ones that are 20 years old and yes. like you can't find anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You're going brand vintage. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, really good sweaters. Stuff love like it. That. I love thrift shopping. What was your first job? Um, probably my first like official job. I was like, uh, I don't know what the title would be. It'd be like a greenhouse attendant or something. I basically pulled weeds in a greenhouse and carried plants out for people. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was back in Laurel. One of my first jobs. What was your first pet? It was a guinea pig and his name was Piggy. This and is good. I love that's that's all I love first pet names. They're <laughs> yeah, they're so creative. That's all I remember of him. I really? uh yeah, he stayed in my room. Uh, actually I had, I had a bunk bed. Okay. And so we kept his kennel on top of the bunk bed just to make sure dogs, you know, oh, mess with him and stuff. Yeah, that makes and sense. And then we'd let him down to play and I think he lived a, a full life for a guinea pig. Yeah. Do you have a historical hero? So growing up, I played a lot of baseball. And so, I don't know, I really looked at, like, we would do those, like, history uh, assignments, you know, where you'd have to research a, a person in history and then talk about them. Yeah. And I did mine on Jackie Robinson. And I just really admired him as a person. Because, he, he, I mean, he really changed history with racial equality in sports. And so, yeah. And then when I, you know, grew up a little bit and watched the movie, that was just a really impactful movie. I think they did a great job. Okay. Remind me what the movie was called first. Uh, 42. 42. And then remind me what yeah. team he played for. He played for the Dodgers. Okay. Gosh, now I'm like second guessing myself. No. Yeah. It's sure like it's I knew that in the back of my <laughs> head, but I just couldn't recall that, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we can't re-record this, so maybe ne- We could never. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Chacos and socks, probably. Mm, the socks. I personally, yeah, I don't think it's that bad, but it's it's definitely something. It got its uh, its fair bit of vitriol anytime somebody busted it out. But yeah. sometimes you just want to wear your chacos and have your toes be warm. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I've gotten fancier, but now I wear Burks and socks. So okay, there you go. Yeah, that's that feels more Seattle somehow. Yeah, I, th- I think I fit in pretty well there. <laughs> Fantastic. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I don't know, probably flying. Yeah. That's pretty cliche, but I can't see many so situations cool, where flying wouldn't be helpful. Right. So. What did you have for breakfast? Okay, I've been kind of on this uh, trend of having like white rice and eggs and oh. like hot sauce. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. Okay, so just I think it's delicious. So. It's it's and just cooked white rice. How how do you put the egg on it? I uh, just scramble it. Just scramble it. Mix it with rice. Yeah. Okay. It's filling and good. Sometimes I'll put bacon on it if I'm feeling oh, fancy. Yum. And yeah. you mentioned hot sauce. What's the hot sauce of choice? Uh, right now it's just the like La Victoria, like hot sauce. But also like Asian hot sauces is like, um, gochujang. I think is what it's called. It's really good. I haven't tried this one. Sounds like yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I'm a good. I'm like a Frank's Red or a Green Tabasco. Ooh, the vinegary ones. Yeah. Yep. What would you eat for your last meal? Okay, probably there's there's this taco 
truck up the road. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it actually a couple weeks ago. I was like, I'd probably have their carne uh, asada quesadilla as my last meal. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's it's huge and it has so much asada and it's delicious. It's, it's incredible. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, when, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just slowly realized that that's not what I wanted to be when I started growing up. And so I wanted to build, uh, now I'm saying like everything I wanted to be, but I, I wanted to I like build it. bridges. So I was like, oh, I'll be a, a civil engineer. Wow. Okay. And then I, uh, that's actually what I started college in. We'll get into that later. Sure. maybe. But uh, I, I soon realized that I did not want to be a civil engineer. So fair enough. So I'll, I'll end it at that. Okay. Yeah. We'll get back to that. The final icebreaker question I have for you is what would you consider to be your proudest achievement? Proudest achievement. I think, I don't know if it's an achievement, but my wedding day was just probably one of the most proudest moments in my life. Yes. And getting to marry my wife. Beautiful. One year ago today. No way. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Like on the day we're recording this. Yeah, it's what are you doing spending your first anniversary with me? <laughs> we we celebrated it this weekend and oh. uh, and so it, it's okay. I my heart just dropped right now. I felt like I was robbing you, like stealing oh. you away from your wife. Steven, this is this is all your fault. Don't she's so mad at me right now. Don't do this to me, Bridger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I was, it's okay. I was so scared just now. Well, I hope your weekend was fantastic. Thank you for giving oh, it was me awesome. Thank you for giving me your your weekday evening here. Then, of course. That okay. Well, that was the end of the uh, like the rapid fire and the icebreakers. Bridger Haffy, nice. thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so excited. You and I definitely like did a lot of growing up together. Though it was more, I knew you just because you were good friends with my brother and like doing 4-H and baseball stuff. Uh, I mean, like homeschooling did it to us too. Like we were very much yeah. in the same place at the same time quite a bit. But I think the nature of growing up with people in that close of a proximity when the age is just slightly different, for me, it was very much like, oh, he's my brother's friend. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't give you a lot of attention until we st- we all started like getting older. I think, uh, but... Like I said, and that's I, completely fair. <laughs> I think that's just the nature of like, well, I'm in middle school and he's in elementary school. And then it was, right. I'm in high school and he's in middle school. So like the phases just kind of eventually catch up to us. And then we all leave high school and we realize like, oh, we could have been friends this whole time. What? Literally. <laughs> yeah. You, you just summed it up perfectly. So weird. Okay. So let's get into talking about you. I want to get introduced to you. So will you tell me I, I mean, I've, I've given quite a few hints at it already, but will you tell me a little bit about your life growing up, your childhood, and what your family was like growing up? Yeah. So I grew up in, well, I was born in Montana. I was born in Billings, Montana. And throughout most of my childhood, I did not venture too far. I moved from Billings about 20 minutes away to, to Laurel. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point in our life, though, uh, my dad had uh, a job offer in Alaska. And we had actually sold our house to move there. And he kind of last minute decided that he wanted to take a job in a different job in Montana than the one that he had in Alaska. Mm. And uh, so that's kind of how we ended up in in Laurel. But uh, so, yeah, I grew up in Montana. I was homeschooled until 
about seventh grade. Uh, started going to public school in Laurel, the Laurel Locomotive. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Around the same time, though, uh, David started, about a year later, uh, David started going to high school. And man, high school was, uh, was an experience. I think, okay, yeah. So let's let's slow it down here a little bit because I want to talk about it. Personally, yeah, absolutely. me transitioning from homeschool, middle school, going into public school in ninth grade, I absolutely loved it. Is that the same for you or did it, was the adjustment a little harder? So wait, when did you, you started going in so, eighth grade, you said? I, no. So I, freshman? I was homeschooled through eighth grade. So like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. The be- very beginning of ninth grade is when I, I switched over. So you're the new kid in high school. I was the new, I never had the middle school experience. No. Okay. I think, I think you did it the right way. I, I started in eighth grade Okay, and like right when eighth graders are like, you know, the top tier, oh, they're the coolest okay. and the coolest kids on the block in the yeah. school, you know? Yep. And everyone already had their friends, you know? And so mm. I, I made a lot of good friends in eighth grade, but I feel like high school is where, uh, where it was pretty awesome. Right. But yeah, you had the yeah. experience of going into the middle school, right? When you were at like the top of the hierarchy, just because of your age and because of your grade and then immediately yes. going de- back down to the bottom of the uh the social ladder exactly in ninth it was, grade. interesting it was a roller coaster and i was not strapped in <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like homeschool co-ops like prepared you well for the the kind of social life that public school gave you or or not yeah i think between that and playing baseball i had a lot of the like my teammates when i played baseball were uh they went to lower high school so Oh, I, had, okay. I had a really good basis there and you know i went to youth group and uh there's a couple guys that went to laurel that were in uh you know my youth group with me and so sure. that that helped a lot kind of with the transition i wasn't just like the new kid that knew no one okay so that was your school experience let's see will you tell me about your family a little bit growing up yeah so i really appreciated my family growing up we did a lot of like camping when i was younger and mm. um Made a lot of time for uh, just fun, like outdoor activities. My sister and I always had a really good relationship. We still do. We're very close. And probably like some of my fondest memories were, uh, yeah, just hanging out with my family, especially camping and stuff. Like my my family was really into uh, going boating. And that was one thing that my dad really loved. I was not a huge fan of boating. I thought my dad drove like an absolute maniac. (laughs) The river, he had a jet boat. Uh Uh-huh. yeah, like looking back, like those are some really good times together. Awesome. And yeah, then there's, you know, other things that I really appreciate. Like my parents really wanted to raise us up in the church. And so that, I think that really helped uh, kind of sculpt me into who I am today and definitely like, shape those priorities that I wanted in life, as yeah. far as, you know, spiritually and everything. That's fantastic. Okay. In this season of your life, I want to talk about two things. First, I want to talk about 4-H. In your experience, oh my gosh! In your experience in that program, I haven't talked about 4-H in a while, and uh, for good reason. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, 4-H, 4-H was great. Oh that, no, I have some really good memories with 4-H. I did it from when I was really young. I forget the like yeah. first stage of being a 4-H'er, but it's like the Cub Scout of being 4-H. Yeah, yeah. A clover bud. It's called a clover bud. Oh, that's adorable. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a clover bud <laughs> okay. for a year, and then I, I hopped into being a, a 4-H or whatever. Cool. Do you um, remember what the 4-Hs are? I can never remember them. Head, 
art, hands, and health, I think. Oh, beautiful. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Some okay. things just stick. Yeah. Yes. I, I did a lot of stuff with Voyage, though. I, um, I did woodworking and I did, I think it was called like electronics or something where you literally just wired a battery to a light bulb or something. Oh, Actually, cool. I did use that to make a, a little rocket launcher. That was a cool oh, little achievement when I was younger. Sweet. Yeah. And I also did animals. I yep. did, uh, I did chickens or poultry, I guess mm-hmm. it's the, the name for it. Did that with your brother. Yeah, we were- that, that is my most vivid memory of you two in 4-H. Oh my gosh. Up at the we show table. So, we were so into it. It was, and you guys like, like that was our thing. <laughs> and by your last year, you were like rock stars of your club. <laughs> yeah with, I, you, with your chickens i so i'm good. glad that my greatest achievement isn't being like the state champion showman for chickens because oh yeah you know when you say it out loud it's it's not as cool as it, <laughs> it looks in your head oh but it feels so good <laughs> when you're like 11 and you're winning these oh prizes gosh. right yeah like when i was when i was moving out of uh my house like officially after we got married yeah basically, uh there's this big box full of like all these little plaques and ribbons yep and my mom was getting pretty sentimental so i told her she could keep them but i i did not need them I yeah other things i was proud of and those are good memories but i don't need the ribbons or anything yeah but i don't know it you can really get into into showing chickens in 4-h like yeah it's pretty competitive absolutely. And especially when you're like raising them from little chicks, I don't know if many people know this, but you can literally mail order chickens and you can do it by the hundreds. The, like, I, yeah. That is a wild program to me. <laughs> honestly, what a business model. Like, <laughs> like it, it was, it was often that my brother on the dining room table, like we'd be doing schoolwork and you would have the chicken catalog next to the Lego <laughs> catalog. Oh and it gosh. was like, what is what is even what is even what are we doing <laughs> wow but i think those two items like describe your brother as a child uh yeah and now sans, and, and now like sans chickens it pretty much describes my brother now <laughs> <laughs> i was curious to ask what's the best lesson that you felt like you came away from 4-h with i think volunteering like that's really? something that okay. is, it's like something that's really pushed for in 4-H as well as, you know, a lot of other things, even like Boy Scouts and, and stuff. But uh, one thing that my 4-H club did when we were, when I was younger was uh, we'd always uh, volunteer at like different community events, whether that was going to farmer's markets and carrying groceries and produce and stuff for um, people that couldn't. Or uh, in one of my clubs, we uh, went and cleaned up the, um, like a graveyard, I guess. Oh, the cemetery. Yeah, cemetery. Oh my gosh. Yeah, cemetery after uh, Memorial Day um, or before Memorial Day. We uh, cleaned it up so that everyone coming there to um, pay respect to those that they've lost could do so. Yeah, without having there be a bunch of weeds and, um, you know, like dead flowers from like the past and stuff on there and stuff. Sure. So I think, yeah, really just the lesson of lending your hand to the community. Like it's, it's not about you, it's about others and how you can serve them. And I think that really played into, uh, the different activities I wanted to do in college too and stuff and just how can I, uh, help other people and stuff. Wow. So cool. I love it. Okay. The second thing I wanted to ask about this, like season of your life, basically up into high school, I did, I want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about like how young were you when you started playing little league and 
what caused you to fall in love with it so hard that you played through high school? I started when I was six playing wow. coach pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty young and I remember uh, like my first practice, I didn't know that you had to stop at a base if there was someone on the base in front of you. So I like hit the <laughs> ball for the first time ever and just kept running. And uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, like just, just because that's like a memory, I, I just like knew that I was just really hooked on it as, as a kid. And right. uh, I played every year after that. Uh, I did some like extended season uh, baseball too. As much as you could in Montana, I think half our games got canceled when we do fall league. But oh um, yeah, just with weather nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I met some just like my really good friends playing baseball. Especially, I uh, learned a lot from the coaches that I had. I had some really great coaches that were like my friends' dads, and just taught me what it means to work hard and work towards something that you're passionate about. Mm. And eventually, that led me to wanting to play for the competitive league in high school. It's called it's the Laurel Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, played with the Dodgers for two years. Um, and then once uh, college hit, I just decided that I kind of wanted to go a different route and focus on education and oh, okay. um, traveling and stuff. But sure. uh, yeah, on my time with the Dodgers, though, it was really fun. We went to the state championship twice. We didn't win either time, but okay. um, we made it pretty far. We're a good team. What was your position in the Dodgers so I, I played middle infield like most of my life and really enjoyed it I also played a little third base oh, okay but uh I just knew there's a lot of really really talented uh people in that position on the team so I ended up trying out for um outfield and I loved it it was, really? it was probably one of the yeah the best choices I made as far as baseball goes wow just because yeah it's it's a whole different game when you're in the outfield when yeah you're playing at like the competitive level you yep. get a lot of action and I, I enjoyed it so much. I probably got in the best shape being in the outfield because I was always running. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a it's a sprinter game out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you always got to back up, you know, third base if you're in left field or, or first yeah. base if you're. Yeah, absolutely. So um, were you were you just rotating or were you pretty much always center, right, left? I played most of my uh, games in in left field. Okay, um, and then I played a little bit, you know, in the other positions too. And then I also pitched a little. Oh, sweet. Uh, more more of like a relief pitcher though. Okay. That wasn't my best game, but sure. if they needed an arm, <laughs> they could pull me in. Oh, fair enough. Fill in an inning or two. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that you said that you felt like it was a like it upped your game going into the outfield because I felt like in my time in Little League, it felt like a demotion if you were ever asked to play outfield. Yeah. And that's what I always thought too. And I even kind of thought that when I was like trying, I was like, oh, I'm trying out for the outfield. Like, yeah. This is going to be lame. Right. But I don't know. We had, we had the most fun practices. Okay. Because they basically just hit us balls and we'd field them the whole entire practice. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have but, to learn all the special plays or anything. Plus you're getting all the glamour <laughs> like out there yeah. when you're, when you're sprinting down a, like a huge pot fly. Yeah. That's you're the, the last fun part. Defense. Everyone is yeah. cheering for you at that point. Exactly. Dude, love it. Man, so good. Okay, so that kind of got us through high school. Where do you go for college after that, and what do you study? I didn't venture too far, but I got out of Laurel. I applied to to Montana State University in Bozeman. Yeah. So about two hours away from Laurel. Mm -hmm. You know, I applied there because obviously in-state tuition is the way to go. Save a lot of money there. Yep. But uh, I was interested in engineering. My grandpa was an engineer by, by practice, and so... I was like, you know, my, my grandpa's a smart guy. He has a pretty cool job. I'll try that. And mm. so 
I uh, first applied for the college to be in like the civil engineering program um, and got accepted and went to orientation. And I went to my first week of classes in uh, civil engineering. And, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. I wasn't in any engineering classes. Like your first two <laughs> years of engineering are like just math and science. They're pretty right. Pretty similar to, to all the other engineering fields. Um, yeah, you're pretty much on a so, general track for the first year or two anyway. Exactly. And and I'll, I'm very thankful for that. And I'll explain why. Because I uh, started realizing that I didn't really like civil engineering, even from the small taste that I'd had. So oh, I switched around. Building bridges was not for you. No. Yeah. Well, I started realizing that in order to build bridges with civil engineering, it's just like a really slim road to get to do stuff like that okay um or even you know like doing big buildings and projects like that Um, right i didn't want to be stuck doing geotechnical stuff not that that's bad but it just wasn't my interest sure yeah and like surveying stuff like that wasn't wasn't really for me Mm -hmm. uh so i was like okay i'll try mechanical engineering that's what all my buddies are doing and i've always been really into cars and bikes and you know stuff that moves that involve components sure, and mechanical yeah. engineering is kind of geared towards that cool i don't know what it was but i just had a really hard time with those classes they're they're tough and uh mm. there's different things like uh statics and dynamics which is basically looking at the science of uh forces on on objects and uh I just did not enjoy it much. Like I got through the classes, just wasn't loving it. And then uh, there was like a professor from the industrial engineering department that did like a guest lecture in one of my classes. And he talked about industrial engineering. And after hearing what he had to say about it, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I switched that day to industrial engineering and stuck with it. And so, yeah, basically industrial engineering is... uh, it's more concerned with the process of how things are made or how things are done um, and what you can do to make that process more efficient uh, or cheaper. Mm, and okay. like that was me growing up. Like I always wanted to find a better way to do things. So oh. I, uh, yeah, when I, when I heard about that major, I was like, oh, wow, this is like what I want to do. I'm not, I don't have to tailor my interests to it. Like it's literally my interest. Cool. Like the, the interesting part about industrial engineering is uh, it's it's really geared towards the human. Uh, and so in every uh, like process, you're wanting to design it to be uh, like for the human. You're not making the human adapt to the process. Hmm. Okay. And yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, those uh, left-handed pencils. Yes. That, uh, yep. Arthur, yeah. Industrial engineer would look at something like that and look at the requirements uh, ergonomic ergonomically for a left-hander to write. They do a root cause analysis of all the different things that uh, are problems with writing left-handed, like you know, you're smudging your ink. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. And they'll they'll work with like a design engineer to um, design a product that is usable and that's um, useful. That's so cool. Yeah. It's it's cool. It's it's really applicable in just about every industry too. Which at that point I didn't know what industry I wanted to find a job in. Right. And so it's like, this is, this is the way to go. Awesome. Walk me through the timeline on how you get to Washington and where you work now. Sure. Okay. So sophomore year was about when I switched to uh, industrial engineering. Uh, so I, I started taking all the classes that were like actually, you know, industrial engineering classes. Yeah. Kind of started learning about where I could apply this to like internships I actually decided to not go on 
an internship my uh, junior or my sophomore or junior year of college. I mm-hmm. uh, instead went and uh, did a mission trip with crew, uh, a campus ministry I was a part of. Right. Yep. But later on, I uh, the end of my junior year, I needed to get an internship if I wanted to find a job later on. <laughs> and so I went to the career fair and there was there was some companies I was interested in. I was definitely interested in in Boeing because I mean Boeing's just really cool. They they make planes. Absolutely. So many things that have to do with aerospace. They, there's a space sector, defense. Yeah. And then commercial. I was I was really interested in the commercial side just because I like flying. Sure. I think it's it's really cool. Who doesn't, man? I mean, it's your super. Exactly. It's your preferred superpower. So I'll give exactly, that to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With civil engineering, I was interested in the transportation side of engineering, like, you know, with bridges, roads. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. And so I was like, oh, like, it'd be kind of cool to get into a transportation industry, like be a part of connecting the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was interested in Boeing, a couple other companies, but uh, really put all of my eggs in, in one basket and uh, talked to the recruiters or the Boeing internship and uh, just kind of learned everything I, I needed to know. And uh, when they had like the career fair day, uh, I talked to them and, uh, you know, showed my resume and gave them the elevator pitch and everything. And I was lucky enough to get an interview and had that interview the next morning. It, it took a while to, to hear back, but I found out that I got an internship there around Thanksgiving and I was just so excited because like up until that point, I was really open to so many different things as like career opportunities, but I really hadn't tied anything down. And that was also the point where I was like, really interested in uh this girl i was dating who now's my wife and i like you know i wanted to think about things that mattered like jobs yeah where i'd be and everything right Um, and so i was really excited um at that point to uh find out that i had an internship it was it was around that same time too that uh we'd gotten engaged and uh the internship was in washington we were planning on getting uh, married in washington Mm -hmm. so it was it was really perfect and so I, I had my internship. I loved it there. Basically, what I did was uh, I was a, an industrial engineer. Uh, they call them IEs mm-hmm. uh, for short at Boeing for the tool services organization at Boeing. And so basically, there's there's millions of tools that are in the the factory. It's the factory is the biggest building by volume in the world. Wow. Yeah, that- yeah. It's it's incredible. You can you can fit all of Disneyland and enough parking. For Disneyland in the factory, which is what I mean, I guess kinda, yeah. <laughs> at, like at the scale of airplanes, this makes sense. But at any other scale, my brain is struggling so hard to even imagine that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, and it, it doesn't become real until you're actually in there and you're like, I understand now. Like, yeah, it's, it's huge. Like we could but, just yeah. go full on Truman show in here if we wanted to. Exactly. Have you ever oh, seen that movie? movie? <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. It's so good. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> rabbit <laughs> no, trail there. But uh, yeah, it was a surreal experience. Um, so and you, I got you, to you were on the tools side of things. Is that what you said? So yeah, tool services. I mean, you have to you have to have tools to make an airplane. Absolutely. And there has to be a way for them to keep track of all these tools. There's a lot of tools that need to be certified by the FAA. Okay. That to meet certain torque requirements, uh, certain maintenance requirements. Uh, you know, th- these tools have a crazy life cycle. They go all around the factory to serve different purposes and everything. Hmm. So like a a drill or a, like a nut setter or something uh, might be bought and then it has to come through, get certified. They have to deliver it to the correct area, to the correct tool room. It gets checked out to the right mechanic for the right job. Wow. Okay. All of that's tracked. And so yep. uh, 
a lot of my projects had to do with improving the way that we track tools. And so basically, I, I looked at the tools from uh, their perspective and basically followed some like around the whole factory and where they went and everything and mm. documented it all. And yeah, it was it was a really interesting job. Like with, with the internship too, I got to like interview a bunch of engineers and, you know, just people that worked for Boeing, sure. ask them what they liked about their job and kind of just get a, a feeling for what I wanted to do if I was uh, offered a position back. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Dude, sweet. Okay. So we finished the internship. You go into your senior year, I guess as part of the story, you did mention that you were about to get married in Washington. Yes. Was so that right? uh, I got married two weeks into my internship. Wow. Yeah, I was I was pretty lucky. My my manager was totally cool with me taking a week off. Thankfully, it was it was a it was a paid week off, so that was kind of nice. Uh, okay, got paid during our honeymoon and everything. Sweet. Yeah. So right in Good the middle gig. of my internship, we went to Puerto Rico. So that was no, pretty cool. No big deal. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one- or two-sentence review. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnowPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W PeoplePod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags, KnowNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. there. My name is Dixie Lee and I am the host of Authors Intent. As a movie addict and book enthusiast, I both love and hate the decisions some directors make in book adaptations. Join me as we go through the best books this world has to offer as we dive into what the author intended. We'll talk about the things that were done well as well as some of the major faux pas in some of the most beloved stories. Season 1, Episode 1, we will be diving into the wonderful world of Harry Potter, starting, of course, with the Sorcerer's Stone. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Authors Intent. And a special thanks to Louis Zong for the use of his song Melody Meadows off of his album Levels. All right. So you finish up school and then you're just like right back where you started or not yeah, like right back where you started, but you get to go straight back to Boeing full-time work. So yeah, let's talk about what you do at Boeing. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love what I do. It's, it's pretty cool. So I'm again, an industrial engineer, yep. uh, not an intern anymore. Yes. The nice thing about the internship is I got to talk to a lot of people. And through that, I decided that I really wanted to go into production industrial engineering. Okay. It's a good place to start because you get to learn basically about the, the business and how planes are actually made. I wanted to be somewhere closest to the customer that I could. And so I, uh, I started networking and, and got a position uh, in Final Body Join where uh, they basically join Whoa. the forward and the aft or the, the aft is the rear section of the plane that has the tail. Yeah. Uh, so they join the forward and the aft to the middle section where the wings are attached. Yeah, and so I my work package is concerned with uh, joining the bottom part of that, and uh, I I have a manager that I work with, like the manufacturing manager, and he has um, all of the aircraft mechanics under him. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, I get to uh, basically work uh, scheduling all the jobs that need to be completed and then work projects concerned with making that more efficient. And so sure. that, that looks like a lot of things like uh, you can do anything from making a process more ergonomic so it's more comfortable for the mechanics because they put in so much work and they work so hard that they, they face a lot of physical fatigue. And so any, any time that we can uh, help reduce the amount of fatigue that's hitting their bodies, basically, oh, we'll, sure. we'll take it. And uh, with uh, increasing ergonomics uh, also brings you know, increased safety, which is uh, just really, really big on the manufacturing floor. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something I really appreciate, too, about where I work is they really uh, value safety. And so, yeah, it's fun working those kind of projects, uh, but also just like working on projects that help you understand the way uh, airplanes are made and just really make you appreciate just like how high quality and how uh, much thought is put into well, yeah, every it's single like detail. How, it's, how meticulous everything has to be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, this probably isn't an official number, but there's got to be around like a million different parts if you count all the different fasteners oh, that go into yeah. an airplane too. Yeah. Especially the the triple seven program where I'm on because it's what? the uh, second largest plane that Boeing makes. Uh, it's yeah. a twin aisle jet, so it's got yeah three rows of seating that all have three seats. Or yeah. well, I guess the and there, there's different seating configurations too. But uh, yeah, they're huge. And, and well, we make and, a and this was Boeing's biggest up until a few years ago when they came out with the Dreamliner. Is that right? So, okay, so they they do make another one. It's called the seven forty seven. Oh it's yeah, like, that's it's nicknamed right. yeah Queen of the Skies seven forty seven. That's yeah, what I was mixing the, it up with. That's what I was imagining when you said triple seven. Okay, yeah, it, it came out in the fifties, and it's that's so it's wild. like an incredible plane. That's so wild. Actually, if anyone's ever in Seattle, there's the Museum of Flight, and they have the like the first seven forty seven in their annex. It's super cool. Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've been to that one. That that was a trip. Yeah. Okay. So you're on the triple seven team. Is Boeing structured in such a way? So there's, there's essentially someone like a counterpart to you, but they're on like the 787 team or the 737 team. Yeah. So how it goes, uh, Boeing has different programs. So there's, uh, the 747, triple seven, seven, six, seven, seven, eight, seven, and then obviously other programs that aren't commercial too. Yeah. And so like someone else has my job, but on a different program, basically. Okay, um, yeah. The, the unique part about the 777, I'm on the legacy program. So the one that's been around since it started, mm-hmm. they're starting to integrate the 777X, which is basically the same plane, except it has fully like composite wings that are a lot longer. They have folding wing tips. Um, and then there's a lot of other uh, the systems integration upgrades, basically, to the build package. Yeah. And so, uh, there, there's someone that works basically on the same plane that's slightly upgraded, just like a hop, skip, and a jump over mm-hmm. in the factory. And so it's pretty cool because we get to work with them on how to start integrating their uh, plane into our line, which is a really big challenge, but uh, it's it's a really fun challenge oh, cool. too. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of collaboration you get to do on the job. Yes. Yeah. Collaboration is key with industrial engineering. Man, that's so cool. How have you been able to pivot into working from home with a uh, a global pandemic underway? You learn so many lessons on effective communication because you're limited. And with with my job, my uh, my desk is, it sits on a mezzanine above the production floor, so I can I can walk Whoa. down the stairs and 
walk on the airplane and talk to mechanics and stuff if I need to. Wow. And when you're at, when you're at home, it's completely changed. And, yeah, you uh, lose that access. Exactly. Yeah. So I've actually developed a really good relationship with the team leads of the mechanics that I work with and the manager of them. Mm-hmm. I ask them a lot of questions and uh, there's really cool like technology out there that lets them show me kind of what they're seeing and explain the problems that they need help with and everything. So just kind of learning how to do that virtually has just been a challenge, but it's also been, you know, big, big learning experience. Oh yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I don't know. It's kind of like, I feel like the equivalent to, you know, people that fly drones and stuff, like you're kind of disconnected, but you're doing like a big part, like in the whole mix of things. Um, and you still have that responsibility, you know, but you're, uh, it's just kind of interesting. And I mean, all in all, I miss my team. There's some really good guys on that team that I've gotten really close with. And sure. Yeah. So you miss the, a lot of that, like interpersonal interaction in the office. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm really thankful for to have in, especially in my first job, just have good coworkers oh, that yeah. I, that I trust to work with and that, you know, will go out of their way to help me. So I'm excited for when things start to get back to the old normal, you know, that, that we yeah, were used to. And, yeah. Cool. So working from home now, I think you've been working from home for probably like a solid three months. Are there any particular morning routines or like evening habits that you like to follow to like stay healthy and stay energized when it's like really easy to feel cooped up at home? My my morning routine's probably not great. I usually crawl out of bed, you know, and then go and start my morning meeting with everyone. Oh, right on. <laughs> It'd probably be better if I had a bit more of a routine. But uh as far as like what happens after work, I usually try to do something active. Uh, my wife and mm-hmm. I have gotten into going mountain biking and paddleboarding. So we try to do that pretty often. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, there's a lot of really good trails and lakes around here. So we like to get out on them and kind of escape from the house a bit. Yes, absolutely. Get fresh air, get sun. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, because we, you and I texted a little bit back and forth about the uh, the recording here. I want to talk about mountain biking and like what got you into it and why do you love it so much? Because I have been mountain biking a couple of times and I found it absolutely miserable. So I want to hear some good (laughs) stories to maybe inspire me to try it again. (laughs) Okay. I, okay. How I got into biking. I I always had a bike growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. usually it was a Walmart mongoose or something. Um, but when I got into college, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to, spend some of this graduation money and get like a, you know, a decent mountain bike that I can ride around town or ride on the trails. I really had no idea what I was getting into. So <laughs> I, I ordered like a, a bike off of Amazon. It was actually a pretty decent bike. It was like a, it's called a diamond back hook. So it's like kind of a trail oriented hardtail mountain bike. Sure. And, uh, what blew me away was Amazon had one day shipping for this bike. And so I, <laughs> I have no idea how, wow. especially in Montana, but I, I ordered it with a bunch of Amazon gift cards I had from graduation nice. and got it the next day and, uh, put it together. I, I really like putting the bike together. That was, that was really fun. Um, yeah. Mr. Engineer <laughs> makes a lot <laughs> yeah, of sense. It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put it together and I started taking it out on, uh, like some trails around the area. There's, there's not a ton of trails in the Billings area, but, uh, sure. There's some good ones, especially on the rims, just kind of just like the overlooking section of the valley that mm-hmm. Billings is in. Oh, yeah. So I rode around up there and just was like, this is awesome. It's it's literally like 
hiking, but I don't know, you just feel like very connected to the trail in a different way when you're pedaling and there's just so much more like thought and skill that's involved than just walking on, you know, a trail. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would imagine like we, we talk about the skill of driving is like reading the road. I would imagine being able to read a trail as you are rolling over it is quite a skill to develop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the more you develop it, the faster you can go and sure you can start, you know, trying like jumps and, and whatnot. And pretty soon you start realizing that the bike you have doesn't match like the amount of riding that you're doing. And so oh, I, okay. I kind of started finding that when I was, when I was living in Bozeman with yeah. some more trails around me that I wanted a, a bike that uh, was more capable. And so I bought a one that had a, uh, like rear suspension and uh, a lot more suspension travel in general. Okay. Could take some more punishment. Exactly. Yeah. And that was so much fun, like kind of upgrading my bike over time. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of got into this hobby in college where I'd buy like used, like beat up bikes and fix them up and sell them. And I used that oh. to fund my bike hobby, funny enough. Oh, that's so cool. Like, so it's like you were side hustling fixing up old ones, flipping them for a profit, and then using that money to upgrade your personal bike. Exactly. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like I was so hooked on it that I just wanted to find a way to ride and kind of fuel that excitement. And yeah. so there's like one point where I had uh five bikes that I was working on in the apartment I was living in. Okay. And my roommates Jeez. probably loathed me for it. I don't know. Jeez. But yeah, yeah. So it was it was really fun. And kind of kept that hobby going, tried out different stuff like fat biking. That was, that's that was the really one fun. with the absolutely enormous tire, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the tires are like four and a half inches wide. Yeah. They're huge. They're, Those yeah. things look so goofy, man. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely are. But they're, they it like it riding those? to ride around. It, it's, it kind of feels like you're riding on the moon. Like you're kind of like floating. Okay. Which makes it really fun in snow. Uh, cause you get, oh, you wow. have all that traction and that footprint. Cause it kind of isolates can, uh, you from the surface a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And they have huge knobs that, you know, really dig into loose ground. Wow. And so it made it possible to ride around in Bozeman where it, it snows eight months out of the year. I feel like. Yes, dude. Okay. So how does someone get into mountain biking and not overdo it on their first couple trails? And then just end up hating it and never wanting to go back. Cause that's, that was kind of my okay. experience. I think maybe some of my mistake was first of all, just like going with someone who had gone mountain biking before and they were just like, yeah, this is an easy one. And they didn't really like, <laughs> they weren't really able to gauge my complete lack of experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean like, so what, what do you advise a beginner to try getting into it? How would someone start? I would say I think a lot of mountain biking comes from just like confidence because it's not really a, a very natural sport to get into. Right. Like we all ride bikes, but we, when we were kids, we don't ride them, you know, down steep and narrow hills with, mm -hmm. you know, rocks and trees and everything. So that, that can be kind of intimidating. So like first wear a helmet. I think that's like my number one advice. Start, yes. Because like I'll, I never ride my bike without a helmet, like even around the parking lot, if I'm just kind of messing around tuning it or whatever i usually throw on a helmet because this is so smart it, it yes just, yeah it just adds confidence to your riding and head injuries are the absolute worst so first yeah wear a helmet agreed second 
go with someone that's willing to teach you how to ride. Okay. I think. Or if, if you don't have that, then watch YouTube videos on what oh, to do. Yeah. There's so many out there. Okay. I've watched all of them, I feel like. And uh, once you kind of understand, like, you know, how to, you know, position yourself on the bike and like different, you know, techniques for riding up steep hills and stuff, mm-hmm. then uh, you can take it out on small trails. Like, there's there's so many walking trails out there that are multi-use that allow oh yeah uh, for bike use okay. like start on something flat and see how that works kind of slowly um sure yeah so up. maybe so maybe that was my issues because like I, i've seen versions of mountain biking where basically you just walk your bike up and then ride down right which seems to be most appealing to me because it's the uphill gruel that i <laughs> that i still have I minor nightmares of it's i i don't know if there's i mean there's people out there that probably enjoy uphill more than downhill but yeah those aren't the people that i'd want to ride with right i'm just kidding but the downhill is <laughs> the funnest part yeah absolutely of course it <laughs> yeah, is. yeah exactly yeah i i think pick trails that don't have super steep climbs and um, that wave and a little bit give you a mix y- exactly yeah i think the most fun trails out there are the ones that are really flowy that at least out here in uh, the seattle area there's so many people that trail build yeah uh, for bikes there's like literally world-class trails out here that just have these huge like berms that make really easy to turn and uh fun like rollers to jump off of and stuff like that right that's where it starts getting really fun when you can start kind of trying that stuff and like really using your body to get the most out of your ride and mm. like, I think the more you ride, um, and that's why you got to start small is the more you ride, the stronger you get and the easier things get. Yes. I, I mean, I did a ride a couple of days ago. It was Tokel East, I think it's down in kind of South of Southeast of Seattle in Issaquah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh my gosh, the, the climb to get up to the trails was so long. And I was just <laughs> like, man, people do this, like often because there's other trails around the area where the the climb up isn't isn't very steep and you can kind of just it's like a you know plain little fire road that's that's not really going up very steep in the mountain and everything sure and those you can get a lot of reps in on the downhills but there there is something to like riding up a really long and steep climb that makes you really appreciate the the trail that you're about to go down and (laughs) Like, oh yeah you're, you're getting the most a, out of it you're getting the opposite preview of it like this is gonna yeah. be so good when i get to re- come down the other side exactly like ah. imagine like you know walking up a ski mountain like i mean i've done that a lot of people like doing that you know earning your turns but yeah it's, okay it's just way more fun when you can take a lift so there's also nice park bike parks where you can pay for a lift ticket and really? put your bike on the lift and go up yeah yeah there's one in montana i didn't know about that see that yeah. seems that that seems nice, but it also seems like you're cheating the sport a little bit because, like, you got to know how to do the uphill. Oh yeah, yeah, I, oh, I agree. Okay. But I think I think like having all those repetitions, being able to go up quickly and go downhill like twenty times a day or, yeah. or more. Well, and really like, get the practice in on reading the trail and keeping your balance exactly. and positioning yourself on the bike. Yeah, I imagine that uh, like with any sport, really, like uh, athletes talk about the flow state. And like that very connected moment your mind has with your body when you're like, you're so deep into what you're doing that time is disappearing. I I can only imagine that that has happened to you a couple times at least. 
mountain biking, just given the fact that you, you have to be so in tune with what you're feeling in the handlebars and what you're feeling through your feet. Can you remember the first time that happened to you? Yeah, I'd say it, it happens when you've, when you're really familiar with the trail, like it kind of becomes like second nature. Like once you've gone on it you know, over 20 times, sure. and know all the different turns and what speed you have to go through, yeah, uh, different turns and, you know, if you should go a lot faster so you can clear a gap jump or, you know, stuff like that. Um, once, once you start learning all those little things about trail, then you can, you kind of just feel, I don't know, it feels awesome. It's like you said, it's kind of just like you're flowing with it. Yeah. I think that's, I'm really into skiing too. And I'm definitely much better skier than I am a, like a mountain biker. Oh, okay. Like that's how I feel when I have been skiing for most of my life and I'm really familiar with, with a mountain and it's just a good feeling. Yeah. You get that effortless, like just like weightlessness to it. It's like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm one with this mountain. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) So good. Are there any other things that you like to do for fun when you're not working and when you're not, you're not like uh, going crazy mountain biking? You said paddle boarding. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I think Jen's like really into right now too is uh paddle boarding okay. we both got these paddle boards from a rental shop uh that had a bunch of uh cracks and like holes in them and so we took a week and learned how to patch them oh right and on. fix them up and everything and like jen painted hers and we've been going around since there's there's a lot of water in, in western washington oh you compared don't say. to where i grew <laughs> up in montana yeah exactly yeah absolutely so we've we've gotten to go to a lot of lakes and uh paddle around and it's it's really fun it's good exercise too and a lot different it's kind of more uh i mean you can be intense and paddle really hard but it's a lot more relaxing than yeah other outdoor activities you just got a big long paddle and you stand on it and it's like a little hard to learn how to balance for the first time but it's really easy for your body to figure out how to stand and, and paddle and yeah it's it's really fun anything else you like to do for fun anything else you do to relax or cut loose Oh, I guess, yeah, another hobby is uh, that I haven't really been able to do just because of spreading germs, but climbing, oh, I like doing okay. bouldering and stuff. Sweet. Do you uh, do you regularly go to Mariners games? Regularly, not as much, but we, we tried to go to a couple. This last summer, we went to two or three. Nice. Obviously, we haven't gone to any this year, but right. they're oh, really man. fun. And honestly, I love just getting the nosebleed seats. And yeah, me too. It's the best view. Yeah. I totally agree, man. I like way up in the stands, just there's no one sitting around you. You can just hang out with your friends, be goofy. Yes. Eat and some you can, crazy good garlic fries there in that stadium. I, I was just, you beat me to it. Gosh. I was going to say, you can get up as much as you want to go to the concessions. Gosh. Get, get the goods. Yeah. Those garlic fries are killer. Yeah. You'll be reminded that you ate them when you're sweating them out. When you're sweating bed. them out or like, yeah, burping. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> was the Mariners game your first major league game? Yes. And it's actually the only major league game I've been to in person. I've been to, I'd say, 12 now or so total. I went to a bunch with my with my grandpa and grandma. That's that's really the exposure I had to Seattle was visiting them when I was younger. Oh, okay. And so they'd always take me to a game and I'd visit. Oh. And, uh, so like yeah, as a I child, mean, that was your first experience yes. with the majors? Oh, that's so I think cool. that was... That, that paved the way for I love baseball. Yeah, no kidding. So did yeah. you grow up a Mariners fan? I did. Yeah, okay. I'm a Mariners fan. Yeah, well, I'm, no, a, I'm a Seattle fan. There. I, I like the Seahawks too. Not as much of a football fan, but... Yeah, 
the Super Bowl's great and just full you know, in make it. full in on <laughs> Seattle. Yeah, now, yeah. Your next challenge is getting into uh the Sounders. Yeah. Okay, so when I went to uh I went to Russia with crew on a on a mission trip. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it was during the World Cup and uh That is cool. The, yes, it was amazing. I just really grew to appreciate soccer and when I came back, I was just so sad that like America we like soccer, but compared to every other country, it doesn't even compare. Like, oh, no. the passion that countries have for soccer yeah. is amazing. Oh, Considering the age of the sport, like some of those rivalries are so old. Yes. That it's so cool to get introduced to one side or the other. Yeah. And soccer, like, just brings the world together. When I was there, I met people from every end of the globe. And yeah. when there's something common that, in common that people like really love even if there is rivalry it's it's kind of amazing what it can do and just bringing like peace and stuff right it was really cool seeing other countries root together for each other's teams and like even when some countries would lose like no one was really i mean at least i didn't see any bad parts of it like people weren't you know in each other's face about it it was just like the way it was they love soccer and uh that's so so you got to go to a match while you were there in russia I didn't get to go to a match. Uh, I I did not have the funds. Fair it was enough. pretty expensive. But they had these uh fan zones where you could go for free and they had uh just giant like Megatron TVs oh, that uh nice. could watch the game on. Yeah. They did like did them on college campuses, so a lot of room to spread out. Right on. And it was super fun just like cheering with other countries because the US wasn't there that year. We were not very good that year. Sure. Yeah, it was cool. I think the funnest countries to cheer with were say Mexico and Brazil. They were like super spirited. It was awesome. I've heard this. Yeah. I mean like, so for me, I feel like a pretty typical American in that I get really into the world cup every time it comes around and following the world cup. I'm always like, I'm going to pick a team and I'm going to follow it until the next world cup. I'm going to be so into it. (laughs) And then like, a couple months later, I forget that I was into the World Cup. Like, it's embarrassing, but like, man, there's something about that global tournament that is just so exciting to watch and so exciting yes. to be a part of. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad you brought up your mission trip to Russia. One of my favorite questions to ask is uh, how you would begin to describe your your spiritual life today compared to your childhood or the way you were raised in spirituality. How would you begin to, uh, to talk about that? Yeah, I think I was definitely, I was blessed to be raised in a house that really valued relationship with, with God and and going to church. And I really, I heard, I mean, I heard the gospel from when I was really young. And so I'm really blessed about that, that I, that I got to grow up in, in that kind of a family. But I, I honestly think that my relationship with God became really real right when I was starting college, maybe the end of high school a little bit, mm. there was, there was some like really major, like life changing moments that started then. Uh, one was my grandpa passing away. Mm. He yeah. actually passed away due to suicide. And oh. like, it was, it was a really like big questioning moment in my life where I had to decide, you know, is this relationship with God going to be real for me or am I just going to live off of the steam from like my family? Wow. Yeah. And so like that was, that was a really big moment. I think that's kind of what led me to be interested in joining a community like crew mm-hmm. and going on missions trips. Uh, one of them 
to Lake Tahoe, California, where it's kind of like a leadership training yeah, uh, yep. mission. That's where I met Jen. And then, oh, uh, fantastic. Yeah, I know. I was pretty lucky I went to that one. Yeah. And no then, kidding. <laughs> Cause yeah, she didn't go to Lake, Bozeman for school. Correct. No, she, she went to Eastern Washington university in, uh, Cheney, Washington, kind of near Spokane. Oh, okay. So this is how yeah. you get tied back into Washington and why you get married there during your internship. Okay. I'm seeing it all yeah. pieced together. Yeah, you've seen some trajectory there. Cool, cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that summer in Lake Tahoe changed my life for sure. Mm -hmm. I uh, just really let go of just a lot of stuff that was holding me back from my past and just wanted to fully embrace my relationship with God and just fully embrace that he's the only way. That was really big. Uh, The next year, I decided to go to Russia and really began to... uh, develop even further that uh, relationship with God and how that looked to sharing my faith mm-hmm. even more. And I shared my faith with a lot of people from around the country. And again, the the gospel became even more real and uh, experienced a lot, even more healing from, from my past uh, through that. And uh, the joy of uh, getting to share that with others um, and show them a way towards Christ was, was just really awesome. Sure. Uh, and yeah, all of that really just paved the way for where I am now. And like, since then I've, I've gone through a lot of really hard times too. Uh, like my, my dad actually passed away. Uh, he took his life this last summer and, um, mm. like that's, that's a really, that's something that like no one should ever have to go through losing their dad, especially that way. And, uh, like if I, if I didn't have my relationship with God, I don't really know where I'd be, you know? And, uh, so Yeah. I, I would say where I'm at right now is definitely in a in a place of healing, figuring out kind of like what, what my next steps are with God at my side, especially now that I have Jen in my life and how we can, you know, both work together to glorify him. And yeah, I guess that's where I'm at right now. The world will, will throw all sorts of different things at you. And I mean, one that's been, you know, all too real in my life is is suicide and so that that's something that I'm like becoming really passionate about towards like just wanting to help others uh who have been affected by that who are survivors of of losing someone to that. Mm. And uh excited to see what God does with that next and how he uses my story to help others. Wow, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. That's that is a hard place to be. Like, I, I, I don't even really know what to say. I even had to allow that moment of silence because, yeah, like you said, like no one should have to go through that. And the, the dark reality of our world sometimes is that we, we get handed major pivotal moments like that in your life. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, I so appreciate your attitude with that too. Not, you know, the uh, the classic cycles of grief that we're introduced to in psychology classes or anything like that. Like they, they yeah. th- you can be handed a textbook on grief and handed a textbook on really hard moments like this. But until you, until you get there again, it's just like something you have to take a test on. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's like hopping into a, a test you could have never studied for, you know? And wow. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Like, and there's, there's a lot of, questions that that go on in your head just over and over 
you know, what could I have done differently or mm. what could I have said, you know, the last time I, I spoke with him or, yeah, or something like that. But I mean, there's, there's no way of, of really knowing what would have changed it. You know, like that was God's plan for my life for the way that it happened. And uh, even though it's, it's hard and doesn't seem like, obviously there's, there's no good in, in suicide, but it's just the result of a, of a world that, you know, is full of sin. Like, thankfully, we, we do have a God that is powerful over that and that has ability to overcome overcome death. I mean, he did. And uh, I know, like, just looking back, like my dad and I, we had definitely a, like a complicated relationship that had a lot of like struggles, just like a lot of dads do with their sons. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's there's just like many moments in my life where God definitely redeemed like the broken parts of of our relationship. And I'm so thankful for that, Mm. that my last conversation with him, I got to tell him I love him, you know? Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, and I I just, uh, I appreciate the way you're talking about it and the way you're able to just process out loud about it. And also, you know, I, I asked, I wasn't predicting this connection, but I asked about your uh, your biggest lesson from 4-H and you you telling me it being volunteering and actually like being able to to serve someone else in their hard moments. Like I, I so appreciate that you are able to take take what has happened in your family and in your life and you're already looking to a way that you can even just enter into grief with someone else who's affected by suicide or enter into like suicide advocacy. That's really inspiring. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Whoa, man. I guess I'm going to ask you some closing questions here. This is more just yeah, about, go for it. this is more just about you just kind of uh, where you're at right now, what you've been consuming, what you like to listen to and all that. Again, man, I, I want to say thank you so much for, for talking about that. I'm, I'm really inspired by the way you're handling this and the way you're, you're going through it and, it's it's so cool to watch. So thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So here we go to wind us down a little bit. I'm curious to ask what you're currently reading. I'm actually not currently reading something right now, but I am going to start the the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Suzanne Collins, like most recent book. I loved The Hunger Games when I was like in middle school or high school or whenever whenever they kind of came out and read through them in a week or less. And uh, so it's her newest book. That's what I'm going to read now, but I'm not currently reading anything. I'm pretty bad about reading unless I'm really interested in it. Oh, gotcha. What are you currently listening to? And this could be music or podcasts. What do you turn on when you, uh, when you want to jam? I'm a big fan of like folk and kind of like indie music. Usually whenever I'm listening to music, it's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of camp with two A's. I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just like love music. That's like really similar to that. More like acoustic. Sure. Uh, it's really easy to listen to while I'm working or in the car. I have really good memories of going to like those different kind of concerts. A lot of those artists would filter in and out of uh, Bozeman for different concerts. So. Oh, nice. Okay. What about podcasts? Podcasts. I have you have you listened to this podcast will kill you? I have. Yep. Diseases are really interesting, and especially in light of everything that's been going on. Yeah. So, absolutely. I listen to a ton of those in the car. Cause I, I also picked up the kind of the side hobby 
doing uh delivery for like food delivery apps oh yeah yeah so okay i started doing that to fund my bike hobby and uh uh-huh. i started listening to podcasts while i did that sweet yeah. okay so you're subscribed to this podcast will kill you any others that you uh want to mention oh stuff you should know aha uh-huh. yes yeah i also listen to like a lot of true crime podcasts too oh really okay but- yeah, I haven't in a while though. A lot of it got kind of got too dark for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Limetown. Limetown. That's not true crime. That's more of a that like, a and like an history. audio drama. Yeah. Oh, that one's good. Limetown is good. I can vouch for that one. That's what you're reading. That's what you're listening to. What are you watching right now? Oh gosh, we we just finished one of the the Bachelor seasons today. Nice. That's. I don't know if I'm proud of it, but it's it's fun and entertaining. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another thing that we've watched. Oh, we watched uh, Westworld. That was one that we pretty recently just finished up. Bridger, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was fantastic to catch up. I'm so glad we could talk. I'm so excited for you working at Boeing. That just sounds like a dream come true for you. And it's fascinating to me. I like it a lot. Thanks, man. Hey, this was This was really fun. To close us out, would you read our favorite quote for the podcast? Absolutely. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well.